0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit rt11.com. I'm Linda Palacio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. Welcome to Inside School Food. I'm your host, Laura Stanley, and this is our last episode for January 2015. It's uh, pretty cold here in New York. We're expecting a blizzard here shortly. But today we're going to Minnesota, where I think it's probably a lot colder. (laughs) Uh, We're making a return visit to Minneapolis Public Schools. Uh, We first heard about MPS on the pilot episode back in May when Culinary and Nutrition Services Director Bertrand Weber joined me as one of our first guests on our pilot episode. Uh, At that time, I promised Bertrand and all of you that we'd be back for more, so we've got him on the line today, along with MPS Executive Chef and Operations Manager Ricardo Abbott. Uh, The two of them are going to be talking uh, about their district's ambitious kitchen build-out, with which a lot of people working in school food are watching with great interest and excitement. They've made a targeted acquisition of some major pieces of equipment, a few of which are not typical in K-12 food service. This is enabling MPS to move very swiftly away from what was a totally pre-pack operation to one that will someday be entirely self-sufficient. All food prepared fresh in house. That's the goal. So get ready to get geeky. Uh, We're going to be talking about cook, chill, vacuum packing, slicing and shredding and sous vide cookery in a 30 foot long tank and whatever else we have time for. There's a whole lot. So a little bit about our guests, Um, Ricardo is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America with a long career history in food service, including a number of years in resort hotels in Florida and a major Minnesota hospital, which is how he comes by his uh, knowledge and, uh, and his enthusiasm for big equipment with big potential. Bertrand has more than 35 years of combined management experience in the hospitality industry and school food service uh, in his native Switzerland and here in the U.S. Um, And if you're active in school food, you know that Bertrand was first recognized as a force of nature for his work in the Hopkins, Minnesota schools. He's only in his third year at MPS, but as you're going to hear today, he's moved the district forward at a pretty astonishing Pace. Um, under his watch, MPS has gone from zero to 60 with bold stroke thinking, driving innovation um, across the system in Whole Foods, farm to school purchasing, marketing to students in the community, and involving not for profit partners and the community in the change process. Uh, Bertrands and his team are so Head of the curve in so many regards that I sometimes wish I could do a spin off podcast series called Inside Minneapolis School Food. So, um, Ricardo and Bertrand, welcome to Inside School Food.
2: Good morning, Laura. Uh,
1: Just tell me how cold is it in Minneapolis today?
2: It is forty degrees. No, not an inch of snow on the ground.
1: Well, it's colder here. <laughs> we're getting a blizzard, so okay, I got that wrong. <laughs> okay,
2: we're completely upside down this year. Got yeah, We would typically be in 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 the mid teens with sub zero at night. All right. Uh, we had a we had an early blast of winter in November, and now we're we're really in the middle of a January thaw. So.
1: Well, enjoy it. Um, I, I want to start out today with a brief summary, um, Bertrand, with what you shared with us back in May about your district. NPS um, is big. You've got 36,000 students. Um, and when you began there, it was nearly 100% prepack with virtually no food prepared in either the central kitchen or in the school kitchens. Um, and that's because starting in the 70s, the schools were built with no kitchens, just warming ovens, not even sinks, um, and your food service workers didn't need them because you were they weren't called upon to actually touch any food. Um, and Bertrand, you told me that you had a local reporter visit your central kitchen during your first week in the job in Minneapolis, and she printed a rather unflattering comment about your kitchen. What did she say?
2: She referred to the nutrition center as where food goes to die. Ouch.
1: Okay. And what was she seeing that led to that?
2: You know, she's a pretty, uh, she's really a a wonderful uh, reporter, but what she was referring to is really um, the nutrition center. Although Ricardo had started to make a few changes, but for the most part, the only thing that came into the nutrition center was really uh, food that was fully processed, fully cooked. And so she was kind of referring to as, you know, where food is reassembled to be sent out and Mm -hmm. even the best of intention, really, uh, the prepack model does not do justice to even when you try to do better food. So she was saying, you can take good food, you put it in prepack and it dies.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So if she were to visit the same facility today, what would she see and what would she smell?
2: I think that the main difference, and and it's even to me amazing, is when I walk in in the morning, you have food smell, which three years ago was pretty much non-existent. Mm I remember even taking uh, Ricardo and some of the other staff and walking in the building and say, "What do you see? What do you smell?" And there was nothing. It was really a very sterile kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Where now, uh, on any given day, the, there is wonderful smells that come out of the, the 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 rebirth of the central kitchen, and that is really you know can be attributed to ricardo and his staff and and some very creative way of 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 cooking and and making we did for the first time last week uh and i don't have the quantities but mm-hmm. it was rather large uh whole muscle beef stew with carrots and potatoes and peas and that would have never happened uh, back then. So That would be really
1: delicious changes. in New York today. Um, so I, I want to look at your menu today. Um, we have the following. You're serving this is in your high schools. Chicken a la king with whole grain biscuits, Italian baked pasta and a hot chicken teriyaki sub. Uh, tomorrow I'm looking at a choice of roasted ranch chicken with a five rice blend and baked butternut squash, a turkey burrito bowl with whole grain to tortilla and black beans, or a fish sandwich on a whole grain bun. It sounds so good. And I've also watched videos of your meals and your salad bars on your website, and and they just look amazing. So um, big change. Um, So I want to talk about whatever's going on on the back of the house that makes this kind of meal service possible in such a short time, and of course, pieces of equipment in particular. Um, So Ricardo, um, let's start... You know, let's look at a few – we'll start with one, okay? So one piece of equipment that you have now that you didn't have in 2012. Um, You want to start with the shredding machine, which I've never heard of before you told me about it.
3: Well, a shredding machine is nothing else than uh, um, a machine that when you cook, uh, for example, a a pork roast, it will actually shred it for you uh, and to look like uh, a hand pull. Mm-hmm. Like that, you don't have to do it by hand, and we can do as many uh, uh, more roasts. And um, basically what it does is it helps us with our labor here. Uh, um, we can do more uh, with less.
1: Right, right. And, and you told me that a shredding machine for meat is kind of unusual in schools?
3: I will say so uh, because I, hadn't, I don't even remember when I used to work in, uh, uh, in hotels I ever I never had one, Right. Um, but it's, it's more. I think it's more a um, where the manufacturing, uh, food manufacturing place will have it.
1: Right, right. So, so, and that's that's something that we're we're going to be talking about a lot going forward. as both of you have said to me that your facility now that you've invested in all this equipment is looking more and more like a small processing plant. Um, another piece of equipment that um, I, I spoke to uh, about with your farm to school coordinator, Andrea Northrup, she was really excited to tell me about something called a gentle mixer, uh, which also I'd never heard of. Uh, what is a gentle mixer?
3: What it does is, is uh, um, it helps us. We make a lot of salads here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, composed salads like for example it will be like a broccoli salad with a yogurt dressing and and uh, um, um, crumb, crumb cherries for mm-hmm. example
1: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, um, if we were to put that in a regular mixer, it will shred the product in 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 into pieces where it'll be very hard to recognize that it was uh, broccoli for example right so a gentle mixer what it does is it help us uh, do huge amounts of, of different salads without uh, uh, shredding it and making it uh, uh, unrecognizable. So basically, um, we do a lot of bean salads. We, do, we make a lot of uh, grain salads. And a lot of the uh, salads, bean salads, uh, vegetable salads, have a lot of ingredients that you want to be able to distinguish, and and so consistency is is great. So nothing else. Uh, it just helps us uh, move huge amounts of uh, of, of salads, and uh, um, um, instead of having to do it by hand.
1: Right. What Andrea said was, it does the work of many staff people working, you know, manually with with you know, rubber gloves on. Um, and, and she said that having that piece of equipment has really transformed her ability for to do more farm-to-school purchasing because she knows she can buy for a certain date and you can process it really quickly for, you know, this huge number of children. So, And, and again, a gentle mixer is typically not found in schools, right?
3: No, it is not. And it's been a blessing having it because of a really, really uh, – Help us with the consistency of the product. You know, unlike everything else, food has got to look good, so people eat it.
1: Right, right. Um,
3: starts with the eyes. You know, so and 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 uh, uh, it's it's just a wonderful piece of equipment, and uh, it allows us to um, send grain salads and um, uh, legume salads, vegetable salads up uh, uh, to the schools. Um, where they're placed on the salad bars.
1: Right. Now, you know, this is radio, so it's, it's really hard for people to envision these things. But, you know, what we're talking about, like, they're really huge, right? Like, what, what does your gentle mixer look like?
3: Um, it's, um, it will look like, uh, um, I will say, um, a huge um, pot that has got uh, an auger in the middle Mm -hmm. And it goes very slow. Yeah, And and then uh, um, it it actually can go both ways, uh, uh, reverse and forward. Mm -hmm. Like that, when you move your product, you can get an even coating.
1: Right, right. And then um, you also use Cook Chill Tanks, which I think are more familiar in bigger districts. Um, And you had them even before Bertrand came on. How are you using them? And what are um, they, too, just for those listeners before, who aren't familiar?
3: Before before Bertrand started here, um, the only thing we were making here was gravy.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and, uh, you know, the principle of cook and chill is that whatever you're going to cook, you're going to have to chill it quick within your, you know, danger zone uh, uh, um, regulations. So uh, we had a, um, a chill tank here which now um, it runs uh, um, every single day. Like today, we're making beef stew. Um, When Bertrand was talking about uh, that we had made a a whole mass of beef stew, we're making 1,600 gallons. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when you make that huge amount, 1,600 gallons, you have to be able to um, cook it, okay? I mean, chill it,
1: excuse me. Right, right.
3: So... um, Now we use it for – we have become a big uh, cook and chill facility. So everything we cook, we chill.
1: Right,
3: right. And that's where our cook and chill thing comes – it is so handy for us.
1: Right. And so stuff that's being made in the central kitchen is being shipped out to um, your – all your schools, your high schools, your middle schools, and your elementary schools?
3: That is correct. Right. So uh, I will say – we make pizza sauce. We make marinara sauce. We make uh, sweet and sour sauce. We make any sauce that we use within uh, Minneapolis Public Schools is made here. Right. We right. also make, uh, uh, for example, the uh, chicken curry. Uh, we'll make a stew. Like today, we're making chicken chow mein. Uh, we make chili. Um, all those products, uh, spaghetti sauce and, and uh, meat sauce, you know, uh, products like that. So once we make them in here, um, we bag them at about 165 degrees. Um, so we can get uh, the product pasteurized and then uh, we will chill it within, I will say, way within three hours. Uh, mm-hmm. We do about, we chill about 200 gallons every two hours.
1: Right, right. So, um, Bertrand, um, both you and Ricardo have talked to me about your concern about industrial additives in food, and this is really part of what's driving your interest in doing everything in-house. You, you actually do have a list of what you call ingredients of concern that you're trying to phase out. Um, how is all this scratch cooking helping that move along quickly?
3: well um once when you're making your own recipes, basically you have control of what goes in the recipe and uh everything we make here uh, we are very um um juicy and picky of what products we're gonna cook so um we try to um um have a clean recipe that doesn't have a, a dyes, doesn't have a, um, a lot of fat. We control the fat. We control the uh, um, preservatives and because there are none. Uh, so it makes for a very clean label uh, for the kids. It, I, mm-hmm. I believe not only they are the products are concerned, but also, you know, uh, making a, a recipe from scratch is a lot uh, cheaper than uh, uh, buying processed
1: food right right so um
2: which I, is uh, it, go ahead if I, if I may jump in really briefly here to, to kind of reiterate what Ricardo is saying is you know unfortunately within our society and and fast not just fast food but just processed food and food of convenience we've exposed uh, you know our, our children and and us in general to a lot of ingredients that really were not found in food 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the advance of process and convenience food really, unfortunately, has taken what could have been some really nice, healthy product and made them into nuts so healthy for our bodies because of the addition of so many chemicals. We were looking, for example, at a, a chicken drumstick that we sourced from a, a large chicken producer, and it literally had over over 50 ingredients on it where all we wanted was a drumstick. Right. Uh, and, and we have been able now, through a lot of work even outside the district, to source a, chicken, a pre-cooked chicken drumstick for some of our schools that still don't have kitchen that literally has three ingredients Mm -hmm. so what ricardo is saying is i don't need a 30-day shelf life on a product we're making it fresh today for consumption within the next couple of days which allows us to eliminate a lot of chemicals and additives that you that you find even in some of the best convenience food that's on the market, either for schools or for the general public as a whole. So that has, I think, has making a big impact on on children's health, but it's also on their behavior. We've eliminated all the dyes. There's not a single food that we serve that has any added any added colors to it, mm-hmm. uh, you know. One by one, we're removing uh, other chemicals as well. There is no artificial sweetener whatsoever in anything we serve. Uh, and and Ricardo, you know, his ability to use some of those new tools or new new cooking equipment, sometimes it's like, he, he's, he's like a kid in a candy store, and he, mm-hmm. every time we get a new, we just got a new bagging machine, which now allows us to, for example, bag the, uh, the stew meat with exact, the exact portion, and that's written on the bag, and that can go to the high schools. So it's fresh, uh, and then it's sent there. Uh, but really, I think the equipment and cooking from scratch, uh, Eliminates all of the ingredients of concern which are, which goes out every time we look for a new product. People are aware of it. Mm -hmm. But as Ricardo also said, Ironically, fresh food is less expensive, and I know it's hard to understand that that concept. Right. But
1: I, I wanted to ask you about that. Fresh food is yeah. less
2: expensive.
1: Right. Right. So, so as long as, long as you brought that up, Bertrand, uh, we'll skip ahead to that question. I, I wanted to talk about your food and your labor costs. I mean, how has your kitchen build out affected you in this area? Because there's possibly no other kind of laboratory in in the country that that. Kind of illustrates it because you went so quickly from total pre-pack, and you're moving so quickly to total scratch cooks. So, uh, how does it compare from from then to now?
2: In comparing, in, in from a food cost perspective, yeah, or just
1: yeah. Food. Let's start with food. Yeah.
2: So there's a couple of things I think that we need to highlight. One is we have gone from from pre and IW, or individually-wrapped portions of fruits and vegetables, uh, to we now have uh, our seven high schools, four junior high, and five elementaries that do either full scratch at site or modified scratch at site. But we also have added uh, 42 schools with full salad bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the individually-wrapped fruits and vegetable has gone away. Uh, We have new regulations that mandate uh, higher consumptions of fresh fruits and vegetables, and we've gone all fresh. The net effect on our food costs actually uh, where this year we budgeted a 42 percent food cost and through last month we were at 39 percent food cost where it used to be under the prepack, labor was substantially lower, Mm -hmm. but the food cost was higher. Food cost was around 45%. -hmm. So it does require uh, more ongoing monitoring of your food costs because you have so many more variables. Mm -hmm. But by combining fresh food commodities uh, able to provide much larger array of fresh fruits and vegetable on the salad bar, our costs have actually come down by a percentage or so.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. Um, And I know you've also made an effort to look systematically at packaging waste. um, And how has that changed over the last three years?
2: That's still an, that's still an ongoing frustration. I think that we have as when we go to a school that's still on on prepack. Mm-hmm. But I think three years ago our packaging cost was close to eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. Now the cost has not changed drastically because as we move a school. Uh, into on-site cooking until we can have the full renovation taken place. We still don't have dishwashers, so we've shifted from the pre-pack at the nutrition center to a compostable lunch tray at the school. So we're still spending a lot of money on disposables, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the district has committed uh, $45 million for the next four years for kitchen renovations. We'll be doing 10 over the summer, and we are adding dishwashers to all schools so that we can get away from disposable to uh, durable wear.
1: Right, right. The things you're talking about, dishwashers, um, compostable disposables, uh, disallowing industrial additives. I need to emphasize that none of this is the norm across the country. So it's, it's pretty exciting. So I, I, we need to take a break, but I, I want to tell people you really need to stay listening because when we come back, we're going to talk about the most exciting, at least to me, and I think possibly to Ricardo, the most exciting um, equipment invested you made, and that is a giant sous vide cooker. And if you don't know what a sous vide cooker is, I will ask Ricardo to explain. So stay with us. You're listening to Inside School Food, a Special episode about big equipment purchases in Minneapolis public schools. Today's break song called Pale Blue by The Landing. This is Heritage Radio Network. program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 Potato Chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit RT11.com. This is Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Today we're looking at shiny new huge kitchen workhorses that are transforming food service in Minneapolis public schools from 100% heat and serve pre-pack to what will someday be a 100% scratched cooked model. With 36,000 kids to feed, this calls for equipment purchasing that's not just big but forward thinking. So Chef Ricardo, <laughs> what really what made me want to do this episode is this conversation we had about your sous vide cooker um, last year, over the summer. Um, you've got this giant piece of equipment. It's it's really uh, unusual in schools. Um, but I think we need to start by explaining to some of our listeners who don't know about sous vide cookery exactly what it is.
3: Well, sous vide technique is nothing else when you wrap a, a piece of whole muscle meat and uh, uh, you season it or, or not. Um, um, and then you put it in a... Um, vacuum pack machine and shrink pack it, and then put it um, in a pot of water and bring it up to your desired temperature, often as uh, uh, simmering, and cook it uh, for a long period of time, um, and then um, pull it out, chill it, or eat it right after, Um, often as, as chilled. And it comes out to be uh, an extremely tender piece of meat because once it is inside of a bag that is sealed in in vacuum bag, um, you have you don't you don't lose none of the, of it, its uh, moisture.
1: Right. Right. Um,
3: it doesn't evaporate. Um, And steam out of the pot or out out, out of the uh, uh, roasting pan. Right. So, um,
1: it's extremely tender. It's extremely tender. I, I first about heard about sous vide um, in, in regards to how it's used in fine dining restaurants. It's a it's a small unit in a fancy restaurant where um, meat, as you say, is, is sealed up and cooked for a very long time at low heat, so you get this incredibly tender, uh, completely moist because nothing is lost at outcome. But in your case, you told me that your sous vide cooker is now. Get this, folks: thirty feet by six feet by 6 Six feet deep. You said it looks like a huge jacuzzi tank. Um, That's correct. (laughs) And and you also told me that. um, So you're 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 cooking these big pieces of meat, which are purchased through USDA food. So it's commodity product. um, And you're. Basically processing it yourself, so you're avoiding that step of diverting the product to the processor in your sous vide cooker. What was it you told me that you sometimes things cook for up to 25 hours very slowly? Is that right? It,
3: it, it could it, it could be dependent on the size of the meat. The bigger the, uh, the uh, roast, is the, the, the longer it takes to cook.
1: Remarkable. So, for yeah.
3: example. You know, what I wanted to do was to take advantage of uh, some of the products that we get through USDA commodities like uh, fresh hams and, and uh, um, turkey, turkey roast and things like that. So, uh, for example, our, our, our pork roast, um, I will go ahead and season it um, average about 10 pounds. And like I said, I I will go ahead and uh, uh, season them and uh, uh, put them in a bag and uh, shrimp pack them, and I will put them uh, in our cooking tank. Our cooking tank, what it does is it will start heating up and will get to uh, a temperature that – that I will program into the machine. For example, the, I will cook this uh, uh, pork roast at about 190 degrees mm-hmm. for about eight hours.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, then, um, once it gets to, it's got a probe. A, a probe. Once it gets uh, that, it, it will be in one of the bags. In that bag, it, it will be especially sealed, different than the other ones. Um, We will get to 190 degrees, and then the the cook tank will become a chilling tank.
1: Right, right. So it chills it down, too.
3: um, As soon as the program tells us that the center of the meat got to be 190, 195, it will shut down the cooking uh, part of it, and it will start chilling.
1: Right, so it does it all for
3: you. yeah, I will program it uh, to stop chilling at around 40, uh, 40 degrees.
1: Right, right. So it,
3: it, the same information goes into the computer that the tank has, and from 195 degrees, it'll start coming down to 40, and then it will stop, and it will pull the product out.
1: Right. Right. Um
3: so um drinkage is almost non-existent.
1: That that's pretty exciting and the and the other thing you told me is that the the, the water actually moves around the the pork roast or the barbacoa or the turkey aliking whatever you're making and sort of massages the bag of food without breaking it up. Um, and, and my understanding, is Ricardo, is this is, again, another piece of equipment, rare in schools, very rare, um, and something you're more familiar with and, uh, from working in, you know, a casino setting or a hospital. So uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, and um, what, what are you, what are you cooking in it this month? What's that? What are you making? Well, like what dishes are coming out of the sous vide cooker this month?
3: Um, we are in a testing uh, process still. Um, we are testing, uh, um, like I said, tur- turkey roast right now and uh, um, pork roast. The intent will be that as, as soon as we have all the testing done and, and uh, um, we will be doing barbecue, we will be doing carnitas mm-hmm. um, and um uh, we will be doing um, Cuban style in uh, mojo sauce. So um, it could be used at our ethnic stations all over our high schools and middle schools.
1: Right, right. So, um, Bertrand, um how, how how has your staff been able to keep up with these these changes? Um, some of the, some of the stuff that that Ricardo's talking about just arrives in your um, elementary and and uh, middle school kitchens ready to go. So there's a lot that's kind of similar to the old days when you they could just heat things up. But but they still have got to learn how to handle this new equipment. How, how are you doing with bringing everybody up to speed with the very rapid changes?
2: So we've put in place a, 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 a couple of things, and it, you know we sometimes forget that it is actually pretty fast. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: so one thing that we've done is we've we've developed a couple of training sessions. That is offered uh, a couple times a year. That concentrate, one was prep cook training class, one was kitchen management training class. We'll be offering actually new ones again uh, coming soon uh, for more on-site cooking uh, sessions and we also have ongoing through Ricardo and his two assistants we have he has a sous chef that oversees the nutrition center mm-hmm. uh, the bulk cooking and then we have a culinary trainer sous chef that works with each site so they conduct ongoing training for any new recipes uh, we just had one last week actually that explored some of the new recipes uh, so it's it's just an ongoing uh it's it's ongoing culinary training we right. uh, back in in December Ricardo actually did a, little, a boot camp with some other district that we export some of the new cooking technique as well mm-hmm. so it's just refocusing on on you know on culinary technique uh one of ricardo's goals between now and the end of the year so we'll be fully um, It'll be fully in place for next school year is the development of full cooking or, or full kits for the school. So, for example, uh, next week there is a Spanish rice that's going, that's been made at all of the on-site cooking and he's sending them out a bag that has all of the ingredients in it, including the oil, the spices, uh, and I don't remember all of the spices that's mm-hmm. in there, but there's cumin, there's tomato, paste, there's paprika, and all of that, so that when it gets to the school, they open that bag and mix it with a certain amount of rice and water, and that's it. That's the only step they have to do. Right. So go it's ahead. fresh, but yet... It minimizes uh, the exposure at the site level. That's so that's really yeah. the goal is to maximize the central kitchen, the freshness, the uh, economies of scale by having one cook doing, for example, spaghetti sauce. Because mm-hmm. everybody's everybody's mother has the best, you know, spaghetti sauce. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, <clears throat> and and working on that. So it's it's. The culinary training, uh, I think, has been great, but also realizing that the more we can um, centralize at the central kitchen, mm-hmm. the better it's going to be at all school level. Right. He's, Ricardo will be starting doing, uh, we will be starting doing our own dressing uh sometime this year. I don't have a date yet because yeah. we have so many things in place. But, right, right. Uh, a so of so
1: doing all of this, you know, kind of uh, food processing in-house is of course a luxury you have as a large district. So, you know, and, and I, I need to acknowledge that because many of our listeners are coming from smaller districts, but there are larger lessons to be drawn just about um, you know, what's possible through scratch cooking and, and some of the things that you've done regarding um, getting a kind of standardization of recipes uh, by doing things in bulk when, when possible um, and, and streamlining things. So it's, it's really cool to hear. And, and um, I do want to add that you've got one big piece coming up, um, a new piece of equipment. A full-capacity conveyor oven is coming, and that thing is going to be probably bigger than the sous vide cooker, right?
2: <laughs> so that one is that's – still, that's still our dream purchase. Ah, okay. we, I'm, I'm looking on the funding for that. Uh, and, and, and so, but if, if we do get that conveyor oven, yes, it will be larger than a sous vide.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, well, maybe we'll catch up with you when you get that, um... It's been great hearing about this, guys, and I, I'm I'm really excited for you. Um, I, I encourage listeners to check out Bertrand's May fifth appearance on Inside School Food, in which he spoke more specifically um, about participation and financial pressures that MPS is working under under the new meal pattern. But on the whole, things are going well. Your participation is. Up. I know that so um, that, that speaks to the power of whole food. Um, you'll find a link to that episode on today's episode page on insideschoolfood.com. Um, additionally, I will be posting links that will get you to a whole lot more information about the very exciting stuff happening in school food in Minneapolis, including that terrific video I referred to earlier. So Bertrand Weber, Culinary and Nutrition Services Director for Minneapolis Public Schools, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Um, And Ricardo Abbott, executive chef and operations manager, many thanks to you. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about cool new recipes coming out of your sous vide cooker. Um, You've been listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. All our episodes are archived in two places, insideschoolfood.com and heritageradionetwork.org. Better yet, you can upload the show to your mobile device via iTunes and Stitcher and take us with you. I'm Laura Stanley. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network.